0: Welcome, beverage industry professionals, to The Shine Runner Show, quenching your marketing, distribution, and sales thirst for more horsepower on the craft beer, cider, and spirits industry. My name is Mark Colburn. I'll be your crew chief. Today's episode is The Four P's. Our program objective is to provide you with an overview of marketing, distribution, and sales, learnings, and experiences from me, a veteran who's been in the craft, spirits, and cider business for well over 25 years. The goal of this program will be to help you better understand marketing's role, priority, and importance in the marketplace, and how it relates to your business model. Sponsors. Hey, Shine Runner Show is in need of sponsors. Management in the Brewing Network realized... A need for a show exclusively dedicated to the topics of marketing, distribution, sales, special events, wholesaler motivation, wholesaler relationships, sales and incentive planning, now a whole bunch of other marketing topics. This is what I call a KDA. Uh, this is a, uh, you know, this gives the sponsors a one of a, a kind show uh, appealing to 70,000 professional brewers, distillers, vintners, cider, or mead makers, and non-alcoholic beverage producers. I mean, this is a targeted sponsorship opportunity. So please contact the Brewing Network regarding sponsorship of the Shine Runner Show. Thank you. So let's get into it. Uh, In episode one, we touched on the four Ps. As you recall, this includes price, product, promotion, and place. Now, place is what I call the upside-down P or distribution. So today, we're going to focus on that most vital of the four Ps, distribution. Here's my little quote on distribution for you. Please listen closely. Distribution selection is equal to the priority placed on the beverages you decide to produce. It is, in essence, the other half of the equation. So I used to work for a company called Honey Hill Farms. And Honey Hill Farms was a company that really dominated in the western U.S. in the soft-serve frozen yogurt category. They sold their frozen yogurt at mom and pops all the way up to the big supermarket chains. The ownership, they decided to come out with... Uh, a super premium frozen yogurt, kind of a craft frozen yogurt, if you will, to compete with these the the, uh, the big boys, the Haagen dazs the Ben and Jerry's, and Frusian Glages in the sixteen ounce super premium category. So the ownership hired away three executives from the Dole Company: a VP of marketing, VP of sales, and a national sales director. I was brought in as the brand manager. So. As we're, we're, we're launching this this great product, we had I think seven products in the line, and uh, these the two sales guys they're going out and they are just nailing supermarkets, the the big guys yes 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 to the authorizations and the presentations. Uh, people were high fiving. We just thought things were really rocking and rolling. So then they started going and knocking on distributor doors, but they started to get nos and rejected. And they couldn't understand that. So they called me up and they said, hey, Mark, we need you to come in from the marketing side and bring in you know, the promotion plan, the creativity, and some of the other details uh, about the product to try to help us increase the probability of yes. And I thought, come on, what what are you guys talking to me about this for? This should be the easiest uh, part of the entire equation. That's what I thought. So the key point to this learning is, Don't be like Mark. Never assume your distribution. Distribution is a hyper-critical strategic piece in your business model. So fortunately, back to the Honey Hill Farm story, we were able to uh, get the distributors to to finally say yes. But as I say, don't ever assume distribution. Super, super important aspect of your business model. Uh, Think of, of distribution as the crankshaft in your race motor. So you can have the very best liquid in the universe, the most creative packaging, the catchiest brand name, uh, the, the, the most influential social media strategy, all at a, comp- a competitive price point. But without distribution, you're nowhere. So let's, let's take a look. Let's go deeply into just distribution. So uh, I want to talk about the sequence and getting to what I call the bigs. The sequence in distribution. A lot of you out there, you started, or maybe you still are, a home brewer. And it's a noble path. Uh, congratulations on that. I'm really glad that you're doing that because it's really helped us be able to drink a lot better beer, quite frankly. But, and, and as far as that home brewer, that first step, you, you come out of the house and you start with self-distribution. And you've got your Volkswagen bus and you've got your dog and you're, you're taking your kegs to a handful of on-premise accounts. And that's probably fun for about one day. Then it becomes hard work, and you'd rather be working on your beer, obviously, or your spirits, or whatever your your cider or whatever you're making. So as you're doing that self distribution and breaking your back, you know, nice job. But but you're looking at uh, you're you're looking at help. You're looking at maybe a third tier distributor. You, you've seen these guys in the streets uh, as you're going to a few of the accounts. Maybe they've got two or three trucks and a handful of guys. Maybe you you sign on with them and they start to get you in a, a, a larger number of accounts. As you 've got that third tier distributor as a business person you're you're watching for that second tier distributor, maybe that second tier uh, distributor maybe they 've got an interest in your brand because you're catching on you things are starting to sell you're building some scale and uh, you you sign on with them maybe they 've got fifteen trucks or ten trucks and they're they start to get you into some of the off premise but all the while you're looking at that inner that top tier distributor now the top tier distributors there's probably Two in every major metro in the country, and 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 that's really where your your that's your main goal. That's where you want to be. So let's talk about market considerations versus temptations. So let's say that you nail you you land one of those big league distributors. Way to go! So what do you do next? I think the knee jerk reaction is, hey, let's expand, let's keep going. But before you do that, I want you to think about some some things here and. In the United States, for example, uh, there are a lot of geodemographic differences. And you may recall that I, I started my career as a marketing research analyst, and I, I learned about how the United States is broken up into 7 to 11 different regions. So one person's IPA may be another person's porter. So don't assume that just because you make a great IPA in the West Coast, that it's going to sell in the Midwest. So these are these are some considerations to take a look at before you start to expand. Now what I want to talk about as far as market considerations and potential expansion, I want you to, uh, I want to go into this term that I call castle keep. So the castle keep, this concept focuses distribution on a manageable geography or what I call selling perimeter where brand awareness and sales pull are strongest amongst consumers, retailers, the on-premise, and your wholesalers. Under my theorem, the geography is adequately covered or defended by experienced brewer sales representatives who have cultivated long-term relationships which continue to serve and support the brand. These relationships, in essence, are the lifeblood of the brand and the brewery. The territory perimeter is dictated by the brewery's distribution reach and by its on- and off-premise sales personnel coverage. Imagine your distributors as your knights on horseback. How far can the knights ride and still get back to the keep by nightfall? Now think of your sales team as the archers. How far can they fire their arrows and still hit their targets accurately. Overextending either of these vital brand assets will jeopardize the strategic foundation of the Castle Keep tenant. So, I told you in, in episode one that I used to work for the British government as their lead post on the food and beverage industry. So I got to go to London a lot and, and travel around the four countries. And the weekends were oftentimes free to me. So uh, I, I dug you know checking out all the different uh, places. And, and one weekend I went to uh, Cardiff, Wales. And north of Cardiff, Wales is a little place called Carefilly. You take the Badger bus. It's about an hour north of uh, Cardiff. And Carefilly Castle is located there. One of the coolest, if you're a castle person, this is a must. One of the coolest castles. I think it was built uh, in the 10th or 11th century. A lot of battle heritage. Really cool place. And uh, I'm there. I, unfortunately, I never got to go in the really nice month. So I was there probably November. No tourists were there. I was the only one there. Uh, as I stood out there looking at the castle, the two-leaf fog was about two feet off the ground, and you'd swear, you know, a dragon was going to come flying over your shoulder. But as I looked out at this gorgeous castle, I noticed the moat. And this moat was fully functional, still filled from, it seemed like, you know, the 10th or 11th century, just amazing. So as I'm looking at this moat, I'm thinking, hmm, what is the business significance of a moat? So, Imagine that the width of your Keeps moat directly reflects the relationships your sales team and wholesaler reps have with local accounts. The wider the moat, the tougher it is for competitors to poach your handles or take your hard-fought off-premise real estate. Conversely, the more narrow the relationship or more shallow the moat the easier it will be for competitive encroachment. So ask yourself, how wide is your moat? I want you to think of marketing as the water in your moat. How deep is it? If it's shallow, you're going to need to fill her up. So, some cautions against expanding your footprint too quickly. Some beverage people think that once They've appointed a large distributor, back to the bigs as I mentioned, that their job is done. This could not be further from the truth, as the work is really just beginning. One word of caution here, as mentioned in my Castle Keep strategy, distributors will insist on your having full-time feet on the street. This I know is a big expense, but also a necessity As you move the brand further away from its roots, be sure to budget for a full-time sales rep or Archer in each region. You'll need at least one sales rep in each distributor market. Well, you're saying, Mark, what are they going to do? Let's go through a few things that they must do. So here's the reason you need to have a sales rep in every market where you've got a, a large distributor. Here's the things that they're going to do, and and they include, they're going to call on existing and new accounts. Obviously, they're going to meet with the distributor. They're going to cheerlead in weekly sales meetings. I I can't express how important that is. Uh, the squeaky wheel gets the attention. People buy for people they like. If you're the supplier that's never there in the Friday sales meetings, you're going to be completely forgotten. And that happened. That that. F- that forgetfulness is, gonna, is going to impact distribution in the on and off premise. We never hear from that company. Why should I bother selling their six packs? That's exactly what happens. They're also going to develop sales incentives. Super important. They're going to spread your brand gospel, your marketing story, and your KDA. They're going to sample the salespeople on the brand. Hey, I've never tried that product. You know, I've never had GT500 brewing IPA. I don't even know what it tastes like. I've been in over 800 sales meetings, and I ask these questions. Uh, raise your hands if you ever tried this supplier's beer. Raise your hands if you ever tried this supplier's cider. Oftentimes, no hands come up out of 60 people. That's embarrassing. So you've got this person's got to do that. They also will merchandise off and on premise accounts. They'll attend on premise promotions, and they're going to bring that point of sale as we talked about that automatic. Remember back earlier in the podcast. Hey, yo, Austin, now featuring GT500 Brewing's IPA on draft. That's so important. We've got to take ourselves outside of our business. Um, the, the average consumer or Austin goes into an account, an on-premise account. There's 12 handles. Do they know anything about these beers? How intimidating are 12 handles? What if they see that point of sale piece that your distributor rep or your your, your on-premise rep puts up in that account? Is that going to influence their purchase behavior? Absolutely. If you know nothing about 12 brands and you see a now-introducing brand X, the probability is, hey, I'll try brand X or GT500 Brewing's IPA. So these these uh, this feet on the street... Also, they're going to pour at special events, at festivals, at grand openings, at car shows. They're going to kiss babies. They're going to ride with wholesaler sales reps, endearing them to the brand while making sales calls and hopefully getting package and draft placements. They're going to conduct crew drives, these are so important. They're going to participate in off premise samplings or demo trainings, like we talked earlier. So that you don't have to. So you can brew or make your your cider or spirits or whatever do the things that you're expert at. They're going to conduct on-premise staff trainings for bartenders and wait staff so that these people can become ambassadors for your brand and sell them at consumer level. So important. These are the nuts and bolts. This has to get done. And I have to tell you, a lot of people aren't doing this anymore. So that's a key differentiating advantage right there. You go ahead and have your team do this. Additional responsibilities. They're going to manage trimester business meetings, discussing things like goal setting, achievements, account gains and losses. Hey, uh, why do? How come we're not selling uh, in the past ninety days? How come we're not selling it at uh, XYZ Liquors and ABC Market? Research that. Find out why. Go back in. Get those placements. They're going to talk about incentives in these trimester meetings. Forecasting, super important. New products. Sure, you've got some new products you're thinking about. What about truck wraps? Maybe a truck wrap. Wearables. Stat the team. The sales teams love wearing cool stuff. Point of sale orders. Glassware. Just a, a whole bunch of things to talk about. They're going to participate and provide input on the annual business plan meetings. Something you want to gear up for in November. Anyhow, so episode four recap. We talked about distribution. It is imperative. After making your beverages, it is your next most important priority. The sequence. Be patient when evaluating wholesalers. Do your homework. Ask questions. Lots of them. We'll get into to these uh, questions in our next episode. Expansion considerations and cautions. We talked about the Castle Keep theorem. Quite frankly, I think this is the best way forward in today's marketplace. The moat. Widen and deepen it. Think about this concept. Relationships. Widen and deepen those. Make your marketing investment. Adopt a tempered tenacity approach to distribution. Be aggressive in the market or markets you're in. But be prudent and diligent before expanding too far or too quickly from your resource base. A lot of breweries have done this. And unfortunately, are retrenching or even closing. Hire and fully train a full-time sales rep for each major market. Spend ample time with this person so that he or she is expert at presenting your brand, the marketing story, and your business. And obviously, they must love to sell. So... Please submit questions on episode four's topics to shinerunner at Network.com. I'll try to address a few of these in a future episode. And thank you for listening. Please check out my website at shinerunnercraftmarketing.com and my book, Craft Beer Marketing and Distribution, Brace for Schemageddon. Look, look for episode five, The Wholesaler. Well, we'll help you ask those pertinent questions up front with your potential partner And don't forget, we need some sponsors for this show. Appreciate it. I'm tired of eating peanut butter. Thanks very much. Bye-bye.